Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, holy smokes, that's a little close. A little loud, a little loud. Welcome to the show. It is the summer wrap-up show. I remember the fond times of doing these with Mr. Thomas Murphy up there in Rockland, Maine. That was always a a blast, but uh, this time it's just going to be your old pal J-Rome up here alone in the little tree fort I like to call. my little my little room for the summer, and I'm uh, still still doing some work over here, getting everything buttoned up and a few other things. But yeah, it's uh... oh Cam, all right. Ooh, just got a text message from the next guest on the show. Not today, but uh, coming up this weekend. I'm gonna have uh, one of my cousins on who uh, climbed Mount Everest last year. <laughs> amongst other mountains in the same uh, in the same little trip so or big trip I should say so look forward to that one I've never actually sat down and talked to somebody who has uh, been to the roof uh, top of the world but that's going to be pretty darn cool so other than that um, yeah today we're just going to do the wrap up and talk about a few things and a few subjects but before I get into the show like I always say if you want to support and help keep the sailing into oblivion podcast going Consider possibly becoming part of the Patreon family. Follow the link in the description. Wow, that was smooth. And for all your merch needs, hoodies, t-shirts, all that sort of stuff, we have seven different lines. About to have an eighth. Shout out Annie if she uh, hooks it up. One of the fellow staff members I get to work with this year who killed it, by the way. Um, She is going to do a lovely drawing of Mighty Sparrow uh, that's actually, I think, going to look really good on a shirt. So... Uh, follow the link for that to uh, pick up one of those if you want to help support future adventures. And last but not least, you can obviously uh, snag a copy of Sailing into Oblivion, the book. Uh, it's available on Amazon, and I'll put the link in the description as well. Um, but the final one, obviously, is if you want to reach out to the show or if you have inquiries about possibly getting me to speak at some event or some place, uh, some event, anything like that, then... Hit up sailingintooblivion.com. You can contact me right through that show. Or if you just have a question and want some uh, information. I got hit up uh, just recently by a brand new to the family West Sail owner who uh, is going to refit his boat. And hopefully he's down in North Carolina. So possibly going to come in and take a look at Mighty Sparrow and see what... uh, See what sort of uh, improvements and things like that that I made to the boat. Shout out James. Um, and yeah, maybe we'll get his boat all rigged up and ready to go and he can go around the world too. Who knows? Well, we will see. But uh, what a day. What a day. I guess I guess starting out with the day, well, starting out with a cracking an ice cold one. Mm. It was already cracked, but I'm having it right now. And it feels good. I'll tell you, there's not a whole lot better than when you finally reach the end of like a season uh if you're doing some sort of seasonal work and i have like always done seasonal work um the closest thing to a like year-round job that i've ever had is working down at the british virgin islands uh, at the bitter end where we would do about a 10 to 11 month season 
And so we always had, you know, eight to four weeks or whatever off. So it was like you get done with the season and you get this huge chunk of time to go do whatever. And I always like that because it it gives you, I don't know, there's like an end goal. The idea of having a job that uh, just doesn't end uh, is kind of scary to me. Where it's like, you know, I, I, think of, I think of Joe versus the volcano, you know, clocking into the the uh, petroleum factory and um you know you think about you're you're doing that for decades your entire life or something i don't know it's if you enjoy it then hey you know more power to you but if it's one of those things where i i see it as a jail sentence and uh trading like in joe versus volcano trading your life because you're too chicken shit to live it yourself oh quote of quotes man that is such a great, I, you know, anybody, anybody that's listening, if you haven't seen it, go on YouTube and check it out. It's, um, just put in Joe versus Volcano quitting scene and, you know, he just grabs his boss and he's like, I ask myself, why, why, why did I trade my life for $400 a week? And I know why. It's because I'm too chicken shit afraid to live it myself. So I sold it to you. <laughs> I butchered that, by the way. Tom Hanks does a way, way better job. But I will never forget how much that quote impacted my life uh, when I finally really took notice of it when I was watching it. Uh, I think uh, at some point down at the bitter end, I think something like that. But anyway, uh, I digress. Those lovely, lovely um seasonal jobs you know they give you that that deadline that that finish line that you can aim for and I don't know if it's one of those things where that gives me somehow a little extra energy a little extra momentum to sort of push harder give like that extra bit of percentage um, into the job because I know that when I get to that point and then I look back, I want to be like, wow, okay, holy smokes, we really we really pushed hard. I, I don't really know, and I'm not, not bragging here by any means, but I don't know what it's like to, to get to the end of something like that and look back and be like, man, I really could have done... I know. I, I definitely have looked back and been like, man, I could have done way better. I'm always pretty self-critical in, in that respect but I don't think I've ever looked back and be like boy I really didn't give that a whole lot of energy um that's something that I I don't know I think my parents ingrained that in me and then it just sort of kept going and going um but yeah it's one of those things like these these shorter stints I think it's easier to do that you know if you're just looking at a year-round job you know how do you do that for five years uh, I'd say the most I ever did it for was maybe three years when I was trying to earn the money for Mighty Sparrow. But then, you know, not only did it still have that sort of seasonal aspect to it, but it also had this three year, like there was a serious goal, a financial goal. And uh, if I didn't meet or exceed sort of that, that finish line, it was not going to be, it was going to sort of ruin my plan. So I had that as an extra motivator, an extra prod in the backside, if you will. And I don't know, it, it that was definitely good. I, you know, I, I always end up going back to having goals and setting goals and, and all that sort of stuff as a very foundational part of like how you get yourself to be motivated to actually just kill it on the daily, uh, you know, every day, just putting it in and putting it in and, 
you know, putting that game face on every time you get into work, whether, whether you feel good or not, you're just like, you know what? No, because if I'm going to do this thing until this date to get that thing, then I need to make sure that I'm given a hundred percent. I've never really liked that whole idea of, uh, Oh, you got to give 110%. It's like, no, that's, that's, that's impossible. There's a hundred percent. It's like the, the most don't downgrade a hundred percent by saying 110. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Ugh, cheers, everybody. Oh, man. It just feels so good. I'm sure you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm just, there's like a big weight that gets lifted uh, at the end of any sort of water sports program season when, you know, things have gone well. Nobody died. That's always a good thing. And that is no joke because when you put, you know, 100, 150 people out on the water pretty much daily, um, you know, the, the deck is stacked against you a little bit. You know, everybody's got life jackets on. We got people watching all the time. We got rescue boats, but you never know. Um, you know, things happen. And I, I know of a few other people that own water sports centers where things have happened and it's, you know, out of the blue and it's terrifying. And usually that's the end of your program. Uh, if something really, really bad happens, but Ah, so there is that, you know, there's that weight that gets lifted. It's like, whew, okay, everybody's okay. We, we escaped without any injuries. Um, we didn't have, well, we had one, one of the flying Scots ended up dismasting, but they're really old and we're trying to phase them out. And it was kind of like, yeah, that's just part of the reason. Cause the equipment's getting pretty, pretty old on the stuff. Um, you know, it was obviously we checked it all over, it's, but you know, how, how are you going to be able to tell? If a shroud is about to explode on you, um, you know, if you're not seeing any signs, any little, you know, wires that are starting to pop or fray or anything like that, it just goes. But other than that, I mean, you know, all the Hobies, they stayed up and ah, it's just a good feeling to know that you make it through the whole program and through thick and thin, you know, you when you're doing all these little tiny tasks, that seem to be real tedious and you have to do them over and over again and you're doing them throughout you know sometimes you're like oh do we really have to keep doing this and it's like yes because when you get to that end point and you look back and you see that you did that you're gonna see the actual uh result of that and that's the fact that oh well we didn't have this problem and we didn't have that problem because we stayed on top of it week after week no matter how boring it got we always made sure to do that and that really, I think, was one of the bedrock things that we sort of uh, put into the foundation uh, of this this place this summer, which was really, really good. Um, is that the you know the proof is in the pudding, if you will, that if you put in the effort and you you stay diligent with a lot of these checks and a lot of that stuff and the maintenance and everything, then your guests are going to have a better experience because they're not going to be breaking down on these boats and they're not coming in with like a tiller in their hand being like, what happened here? I mean, you're obviously always going to have that because they're boats and people are sometimes pretty rough on boats, but, and the conditions too are rough on boats. Uh, we had just tons of capsizes. Oh man, there were a few really windy days towards the end and today was just beautiful. I almost, Almost just checked out of work and just said, you know what, Psh, I'm going sailing. But yeah, it was a little cold. It was a little cold. Uh, very windy, but a little cold. Plus, I didn't have anybody to go with. But mm. oh, that tastes so good. A beer after a hard season's work always tastes better. Just better. 
<laughs> oh man, and and to boot, the reward. We're about to reap the reward, the true reward uh, of being up here in Michigan and doing a season up here. Uh, unlike almost any other place, I get to go back to Sylvania. Sylvania Wilderness is up on the border of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and Wisconsin. It's near a little town called Watersmeet, and it is one of the top five places I've ever been to in my life. And I, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's, you know, as breathtaking as some of the Caribbean islands or as awe-inspiring as the Grand Canyon or... Um, even as, as interesting as a place like Rockland or, uh, Gloucester, something like that. You know, it's not like running over the Forest Gump bridge, but the fact that I used to go camping up there when I was 18 years old onward with six of my best friends. And even though now that's dwindled down to just two of us, uh, cause everybody else is married with kids, uh, all the nostalgia is there. You, I, I get into this canoe. Well, first, so it's 25 square miles. It used to be an old like hunting preserve thing, you know, 100 years ago. And these, these businessmen that had it, they never let it get clear cut by Vanderbilt and all that sort of stuff. And so it, uh, it's old growth or virgin timber up there. Some of the pine trees, you know, you can't even reach like halfway around. They're absolutely stunning. And bald eagles. And just lakes for days. And it's all canoes except for one of the lakes. They have little fishing boats. Um, But essentially you hop in that canoe and you have to portage in between. Some of the portages are like a mile long. But most of them, you know, 50 50 feet to like 500 feet, something like that. And some of the lakes are actually like, I don't know, three miles long, something like that. Almost a half mile to a mile wide. So some big water. And one of them's pretty deep. I think it gets down to like 50, 60 feet, something like that. But stunning and just quiet and not a cabin or a house to be seen. Just totally untouched shorelines. Uh, Compared to the lake that I am currently working on is uh, striking, strikingly different. Um, there's only a few places on this lake that have, uh, sort of natural shorelines. And I, whenever I see them, whenever I'm driving the whaler by them or something, I I look at, and all I think of is Sylvania, Sylvania. Ah, but like the moment you get in that canoe and you just start paddling away from that, that boat launch, and you go through this little narrow spot, and then boom, you're right out in a crooked lake. And and then all of a sudden, that's it. You don't see anything but trees and bald eagles and loons. And there's just like all these great shorelines for fishing. And you just paddle and paddle and paddle. And, you know, some days it's windy, some days it's not. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And it's crazy. We're going to go through this heat wave. It's going to be like 90 degrees when we get up there, uh, which is pretty insane. Uh, I'm very interested to see what that's like. Uh, Never even come close to that sort of temperature up there. And I don't know. That'll be pretty cool. Um, I was kind of hoping, kind of hoping now that it's in September, that it would be kind of a chillier, chillier kind of camping trip. Because that's the only drawback to the UP is the old Skeeters can get pretty aggressive, uh, if you will. Some of them are... About an inch long, and they uh, they actually suck the blood out, and you can see it. Um, you can sometimes come out of the woods with sunken eyes and uh, about a pint or two low. And 
I'm no joke. Like seriously, it gets it gets pretty bad sometimes. You know, you're hiding in your tent or something. But I did get some of those thermocell things, so I'm hoping they are as good as advertised. Um, but who knows? Maybe it's gonna be so hot that the skeeters won't be around. But I'm doubting it. I'm severely doubting it. So in any event, it's gonna be fantastic. I kind of went overboard. I do this every time. Do a camping trip. I've got a lot of gear, you know, AT hiking, a lot of camping trips, stuff like that. So I've got a lot of old gear, uh, but I went through some of it. I didn't have a lot of time, but I went through some of it, and, man, it was looking shifty. And so I ended up uh, putting in some orders, and uh, two orders led to 10 orders, led to, like, 12 or 13 uh, so I got a, a bit a bit of new kit, uh, which would be pretty cool, and uh, I'm always always pretty pretty stoked. I, I still remember even as a kid uh, looking through these. They used to have this paper catalog called Campmore, and man, you'd order like Swiss Army knives and cooking sets and tents and all sorts of stuff through there. I still have some of the stuff I ordered, uh, and I keep it for nostalgia, but. It's really, really going to be good, and I am, I am truly, truly looking forward to some time up in the North Woods. Uh, it just, I don't know, it, it's something, something great. And we've only got five nights in the bush, but that's that's essentially five and a half days or six days in there, and that should be enough. I always, you know, it's it's five has got to be the minimum. It's got to be the minimum, maximum, like. We used to do, I think the longest trip we ever did was 12 days. Um, maybe it was two weeks. I'm not too sure. And that was up in Boundary Waters up in northern Minnesota, which is sort of like Sylvania, but uh, on a whole different level. And that was pretty fun. I, I just I always like the odd day because then there's a, a defined middle day. So it's like you've got three days and then you've got less. If you only go four, but on the second day, you're sort of like, wow. All right, that's it. Now we only got two. So I don't know. It's my own thinking. Uh, that's my own way of trying to rationalize that it seems way longer. Five days seems like three days longer than two days. And uh, four days seems like two days shorter than five days. <laughs> Figure that one out. Mm. But oh, it's just going to be good. And it's that reward. I mean, I've been looking forward to it pretty much since I got up here. And I, you know, I put it on the back burner as far as the brain because I don't, I don't want to be too distracted. Uh, that's something I, I definitely picked up from that trip around the world, was just not to be too distracted by your goal that you're heading towards because you're going to miss the journey that takes you to the goal. As cliche that is, as that may sound, um, you know, if you're not living in the present, then you might as well just take some drug or whatever that gets you through till the end of it. And then you can like wake up and be like, Oh, I'm here. But essentially you're just missing out on a huge chunk of your life. And no matter what you're doing, you can always try and make it feel pretty. You can make it fun. You can make it fun. Uh, as you know, that psychopath Elliot Rogers said, you know, sitting in traffic in St. Monica, I got a little ice cream, making it fun. <laughs> what a psycho. Oh man, that's uh that's a pretty funny podcast. If anybody ever wants to listen to uh, a pretty interesting one, it's the last podcast on the left. I think it's episode two hundred and twenty, something like that, way back in the early days. But it's manifestos, and it starts off with the story of Elliot Rogers, who is a complete psychopathic murderer. Um, but it's uh, it's pretty interesting. <clears throat> Shout out last podcast on the left. Um, 
Yeah, great podcast. Mm. Oh, man. But at this point now, I've got... So we actually closed up. We finished um, this last Saturday or Sunday. And today is now Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. So today's Wednesday. Been working on this. We have this 24, 25-foot, really classic, beautiful boat um, called a 17. And... um, you know, it's got the overhanging bow, overhanging transom, all that stuff, real sleek. It looks like a, a mini J-boat and really, really narrow, super uncomfortable. Uh, but they're really, you know, they're beautiful looking boats. And they, they, uh, they've been on this lake for I don't know how long, you know, 50 to 100 years or something like that. Most of them are mahogany. We've got an old fiberglass one, but it's just rotted the deck. <clears throat> The deck is, you know, these these boats are are pretty much, you know, just whipped out now by um, independent designers and stuff like that or uh, boat builders. But I think this one was like the last one that was made by the company, um, which, you know, when I look at it out, I don't know. I don't know how many mods this thing's been uh, has had under undergone on it. But <laughs> that's look at this boat. And I know this boat's, you know, 50 plus years old, but. Whew, it's, uh, I don't know. It just wasn't, it's, anyway, the fiberglass seems real thin. Um, let's just say that. But in any event, uh, unfortunately, there's not much of a system of support beams. You know, you've got the shell of the hull, and then the deck is basically riveted onto that. But then there's, you know, a couple of cross beams. Uh, there's only two, and then there's two bulkheads, and that's it. And essentially, you know, there was water intrusion uh, underneath the fiberglass deck. There was some plywood that was glassed in as sort of support. And all that has turned to absolute dust. And so when I stepped on the deck, it just squished. um, Or it didn't squish. It just just cowered under, you know, a little bit of weight. And I knew that we needed to do something drastic. And we're also going to put more of these beams in and all that sort of stuff, which will be... Uh, very helpful to make sure that this thing, the deck, because you know you stand on a deck of a boat, you want you want that deck to to not give. Uh, even on a small boat, you really don't want it to give. You know, when I our Hobie 16 is uh, I think like a 1982, and you walk on the forward little hull and it doesn't give because it's still just solid. I've seen a lot of Hobies where you can take your finger and depress. You know, that's how that's how rotted out the uh, inside is and. So with this one, though, we'll, we'll be able to sort of salvage the deck. We're just going to rip out all that old wood that's fiberglassed in. Luckily, you can rip it out just with your hand because whoever did it didn't do a great job. And, uh, and then replace all that with some marine ply, quarter-inch, glass all that back in, put the new beams in, turn the thing over, sand it all, fill all the gaps, fill all the holes, paint it all up, put it back on the boat. We're going to use, instead of a gasket to seal... Uh, we're, we're actually going to make her permanent, baby. We're going to go with some, uh, some 4,000. Uh, so as close to permanent as I want to get, I don't want to do 5,200 cause that is, that's a little too permanent in case, you know, 10 years down the line, they got to do this again, which I can't imagine they would. But, uh, instead of using a gasket, I want to use some, uh, some 52 or some 4,000 and seal all that up, rivet it back in, find some new tow rail. Cause the old teak one is, it's pretty thin. It looks like a, it looks like a, a an elderly person's bones. Uh, there's, 
it's just real thin. Like uh, even the plugs that were put in, who knows how long ago, were like all oh, it, it kind of looked like Devil's Tower out in out in uh, Wyoming. It was really really kind of interesting. But yeah, we're uh, my buddy Jeff and I were we're working on her. We we were able to. Uh, first, the tow rail essentially has all these screws that are all completely frozen, all completely rusted, and uh, they had to be drilled out. Probably one out of every three, and there's probably a hundred had to be drilled out. And so I painstakingly went through that, and then was able to get all that out. But then you know these, then you drill out all the pop rivets. And the boat, the deck, and stuff had had sort of sealed itself around that that gasket, and so you could go around with like the putty knife, and then the screwdrivers, and then the crowbar, and you're sort of sort of lifting this thing up finally. But now the whole deck is up on uh, planks of wood, so it is no longer connected to the hull. We're scratching our heads at the end of the day, trying to figure out what our game plan is for actually removing it and putting it somewhere where we can place it upside down because the things. I, I would think the deck section is probably 24 feet long and at its maximum, maybe three and a half feet wide. Um, so flimsy doesn't even describe uh, this or precarious. Maybe is better, but we're just trying to figure out how to move it off of the boat, which is on a cradle down somewhere and be able to flip it over without breaking it. I don't think we would because it is fiberglass and the fiberglass seems good. It's just this wood that needs to be replaced. But essentially we're going to flip it upside down. We're going to rip all that stuff off, put new glass on with new wood, um, then turn it back over, do all the stuff and then put it back on and screw it down. And big project for sure. Um, Contracted out for 80 hours and I'm already burning into it. Um, but my goal is to, to not over, you know, not get past 80 hours on the paperwork, uh, which means I'm desperately going to try to not do too much unpaid work on it. But it's one of those things where, because I, I really love this place and I love these boats, uh, especially as much as I do, I really don't care. Uh, and I'm happy just to work on them because I want the end result to be something where a lot of people will be able to look at it and use it and be like, Oh man, this thing is awesome. (laughs) Not like, boy, they missed some stuff there and cut corners here. And, or worst case scenario, how come it's not finished? Uh, I would hate, hate to have that, uh, follow me around. Mm. Oh man. All right. Hold on one second. We could take short little break and we're back that was just a quick little text message thing it's so funny my my cousin cam's kind of like he's asking me uh if there's anything he can do to prepare for the podcast and uh it's pretty funny because you know i i remember <laughs> i remember doing the first couple podcasts not on this show but for other shows and being real nervous Kind of like, oh man, what am I gonna say? What am I, you know, how am I gonna? And trying to sort of have, I don't know, bullet points or something like that. Um, you know, anything because you're sort of, you know, it just it gets you sort of nervous, even though you're just talking into a microphone or talking on a phone to somebody else who has a microphone. And you know, after doing nearly 200 shows now, I'm sort of, you know, I'm I'm sort of numb to that whole that whole thing. Um, but I just had this this kind of interesting realization, like so. So Cam climbed Everest and this other mountain in like one shot, you know, and 
uh, <laughs> I'm kind of, it makes me laugh. It, it's, it makes me laugh to, to sort of, uh, think of this guy, you know, climbing, climbing these crazy mountains, doing this, taking on this huge challenge and then sort of being like, Oh man, well, what am I going to talk about when I do it? You know, kind of that same way that I would have been nervous for those first, uh, first interviews that I did and stuff. And, you know, after I'd sailed around the planet and, I don't know. It's it's kind of funny. I think it's a uh, an interesting uh, uh, thing to look at, where you know you've got these adventures to do these things, and then you know you get nervous about telling people about it. Who knows? Who knows? It's pretty funny. Um, well, I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. Um, other than that. There's really, uh, I, I am hoping, and I, I don't like to talk about future guests because then, you know, I know Cam's going to definitely be on it, but uh, I do, I got to get my dermatologist on here. Uh, there's a couple more, but, you know, I don't want to promise anything and then have it not come through. I always feel bad when that happens, so I'm not going to jinx it, but I know this one's going to be pretty good, and we'll get that out uh, before I go camping up in the uh, the old UP. Um, but yeah. I don't know. It just feels good. And now we're sort of back into what I'm hoping will be the normal schedule for the show. I, I can't thank the listeners enough who uh, have emailed and everything throughout the summer. And definitely huge shout out to all the people on Patreon that the the family that have sort of stuck with me. I know I, I kind of had pretty grand hopes of uh of being able to do quite a few podcasts while I was here and uh just wasn't able to do it there's just I you know you get spread too thin sometimes and you have to know where what areas um you know you have to focus on and what areas you have to like ease up on and you know unfortunately that 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 meant the podcast a little bit but um I'm pretty happy with a couple of the shows that that came out this summer, I think. I think sitting down with like Everett and sitting down with Brooks uh, was really, really, really good. And sitting down with Steve towards the end there, you know that. I don't know. Um, I think this summer, if anything, it was uh, quality over quantity. And I don't know. That's something I kind of wrestle with with the future of this show because I, I, it is hard to do two shows every single week. I like that frequency though. Uh, there's something about it. Maybe. Maybe I can figure out, I, I I don't know, for me, it's just one of those things where if I'm working on the boat or if I'm on the road, I think I have some pretty fun, interesting experiences to share, um, you know, for a solo show. And then typically I bump into and run into people that are pretty interesting to sit down and have a convo with. And so it's one of those things where that two show thing is great, you know, like if you can get, uh, you know, you get your Monday, Monday morning show with somebody or the solo one and then for the weekend or whatever you get the other one and um but you know it, it does sort of depend but i don't know maybe it'll turn into a once a week thing but i i don't know i feel like i feel like i can do two shows so that's the goal and that's the game plan and hopefully we'll be able to make that sort of happen um once i get back from from the camping trip and everything we will jump straight in and i i'm kind of considering taking the uh mics up there you know i might have some good uh some good camping insight up there, you know, amongst there's, there's all these little islands around and they don't have campsites on them, but like there's just perfect, beautiful, natural little islands. And it's crazy because the trees are just so thick on those things, um, but it's all old growth. So the trees are big and it, it 
it looks very reminiscent of like a tropical reef and then except it's trees and leaves instead of you know coral and stuff but then birds instead of fish i don't know kind of a weird comparison i'm not gonna lie uh but it's it's just i don't know it's striking and i could see i could picture myself and i could picture colin sitting out there with some mics and uh shout out colin by the way for for going on this trip that's huge really appreciate uh him taking some time and to go out there. Uh, I'm not sure what episode it was, but Colin, son of Buzz, um, he he was on the show talking about climbing Rainier uh, a while back this last summer. I think it was last summer. But in any event, yeah, super stoked. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. We're just going to keep plugging ahead. And big thanks to just everybody that keeps listening. Um, you know, the even though the... The number of shows was down. The number of uh, downloads and listens was up. Not that it's all about the numbers, but when you're trying to grow this whole sailing into oblivion thing into something that uh, can pay the bills so that I can just do sailing into oblivion stuff, uh, that would be pretty darn cool and be able to, you know, maybe like get some new sales uh, so that I'm not constantly using my sewing machine every time I go offshore and... Uh, you know, Sparrow, I, I, I was able to save save a decent amount of money this summer, uh, but, you know, boat's a boat, man. You know, they're expensive. So just when you think you got it under wraps, uh, bring on another thousand, as they say. But, yeah, that's it for today's show. And, again, just want to thank everybody um, and thank the team of people that I got to work with this summer who uh, helped to make it uh, pretty exceptional. They, they worked very, very hard. I've worked with hundreds of people in this arena, this water sports and sailing school arena and all over the world, people from all over the world. And yeah, I can firmly say this was a, a really great crew, great team that gelled, you know, they're unlike, uh, most teams. Usually there's some, uh, midsummer dramas. People start getting on each other's nerves, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, it just didn't seem to happen. Uh, I and you know, just saying that out loud. Obviously, then I'm the one that's getting on people's nerves. You know, if you don't know who the annoying guy is, it's probably you. Uh, and I know that's probably true, uh, at least for some of the people that I worked with. But uh, a lot of you, a lot of you did just a phenomenal job, and were just a heck of a great people. And and towards the end, we got a big, big boost of energy because we had a bunch of old staff that I worked with way back in the day, uh, come back and fill in. And that just brought such a insane nostalgia. Like that was just how we used to roll. <laughs> it was so great. Oh man. It was just too much fun. You know, yet another summer up here. Can't, can't ask for much more. And, uh, I'm just so glad we got to do it. I'm sad it's over, but I'm glad it happened. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the future and everything. But, um, I'm going to enjoy every last second that I have here until I do finally hit the road and head to those speaking engagements. And I guess, you know, as a wrap-up, might as well throw these out there. Uh, for anybody in the northern Michigan Petoskey area, tomorrow night we're going to be doing a book signing at Random downtown in Petoskey from 6.30 till 9. It's actually the uh, gallery walk, but we're going to throw my little table in there. And so come meet me, uh, you know, we can chat, tell me some sailing stories, whatever. I'll be in there, have some wine, whatever. And, uh, then after that, we'll be speaking at 
the museum here in Petoskey again on the 20th of September. And then uh, the next stop after that's going to be the next open one, open to the public, will be the Dexter Public Library down outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan on the 27th of September. That's going to be an open show free to the public. And uh, that's going to be about... The, that's going to be the one wave presentation. So the the voyage from last fall where we were turned upside down by a rogue wave, by one wave. It was just one wave that ruined that trip. Ugh! But it was a lot of lessons. One wave and a lot of lessons. Uh, other than that, uh, as more dates come up, we'll hit them up. But I know I will be hitting up and getting out to Connecticut. I have bookings, private shows on the 3rd of October. So I will be out there and up in the Cape Cod area around the 4th of November. So I will be in those areas. So I don't know if anybody uh, wants me to come on out. I'll be on the coast. So other than that, thanks all for listening. Hopefully uh, you enjoy this show and uh, look out for the next one because it's going to be a climber's paradise. Until next time, thanks for listening.